Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast. This is episode number Sweet 16. I'm uh, one of your hosts, Tom Trauma, and somewhere out in the ether is my co-host, Liverpool Neil. Say hello, Liverpool Neil. Hello, everybody. It seems funny to still be calling me Liverpool Neil after all this time. I, I know it. I just, I, I, I don't, uh, you know, I just started out with this intro 15, 16 That's episodes true. ago you now. Keep doing it feels it. like I sort of have to stick with it, but maybe, you know, maybe we'll shock people next week, you know. Mm-hmm. For our barely legal seventeenth episode, and uh, <laughs> are yeah, almost yeah. legal. People have Bobby's already episode. turned off. Bobby's already turned and, off the show. <laughs> well, yeah, and we'll uh, maybe we'll uh, mix up our intro a little, or maybe we won't. I have no idea. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, you can call me Skokie Neil or something like that because that's where I am these days. I mean, oh my gosh, you're telling people people are going to be able to triangulate you. Yeah, that's fine. I have no problem with people that. People will be showing up at your door like. Uh, that Mark Chapman guy. Come get some. That's all I got. Is that the guy who shot John Lennon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is he still alive or is that guy dead? No, he's still alive. I think he gets out of jail for like conjugal visits or something. Conjugal visits? He's, jeez. Well, I guess that would be in jail conjugal visits. But no, I think he like gets to go home with his parents on the weekends or something. I don't know. That is weird. Yeah. yeah it's, only been, it's only been 40 years. Can't we, can't we let it go? <laughs> Well, that makes me want to play really. another Meat Men. That makes me want to play another Meat Men song, but and I know which one you're thinking about. But <laughs> maybe, um... for, maybe for another day, a few of you will know what I'm what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I tell you what, let's 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 plan on it, right? Let's do the uh, politically incorrect show, like number twenty yes. or something like that. I mean, what are our normal shows? They're pretty politically incorrect, but this one is going to be mean, I've, all I've songs. Refer- I've already been referred to as you know not, uh, the non woke one. Yeah. I know. And that's not, a, I mean, on this, uh, the two of us, I mean, I think you're probably even less woke than I am. <laughs> I'm fast asleep, dude. You're I'm fast slept, asleep. Yes. But is it, is it slept? Woke? Yes. Slept? I don't know. We're, yeah. We are We are uh, consciously choosing to sleep through the melee. Yeah, proudly sleeping. Yeah. So uh, what uh, What you been up to this week? Anything exciting? Uh, no, nothing, man. It was a busy, busy week at work. How about you? Yeah, same. Just, yeah. you know. Nothing, nothing worth writing home about. You know, if we weren't living in the golden age of streaming television, I, I don't think I'd have any excitement at all lately. It's you know winter in the upper Midwest, and there's just uh, it's you know leaving the house itself is a chore. So no, it really is, and I swear every day of February so far, it feels like it snowed. You know, a little bit at least, and just and we it haven't is, seen uh, the sun. We haven't seen the sun. Right yeah, we haven't I seen. I feel the like sun. I'm living in a snow globe, and someone just shook it. Yeah, we haven't seen the snow in like two months or something. I mean, the, the, yeah. the sun. I haven't seen the sun in two months, I should say. There you go. We actually had a couple sunny days, which was nice, but yeah. yeah so, yeah. So, what do we, uh, I believe that we've got some, are some, a couple, a couple of letters from some attractive listeners, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how attractive they are. I'm guessing they're probably, they're probably grizzled <laughs> yeah, old men. That's why we don't show our pictures, right? We're, yeah. They're probably grizzled faces. old men like us, I'm guessing. Exactly. Faces, faces for radio. Yeah, but yeah. When, I, when, I, when my kids say, "Well, Dad, you know the the way of the future is these guys doing their podcasts on YouTube." I'm like, "Yeah, but then they'd look at they'd have to look at us." Yeah, hey, I mean, that's not any good. I am fine with that, baby. I'm fine with that. Um, all right, yeah, yeah, we did. We actually got three pieces of email, three good ones. So uh, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna read those out if that's cool. Do with me. Um, it looks like the first one is from someone in Czechoslovakia, judging by this email address. No way. I think .ch. I think that's Czechoslovakia, isn't it? I anyway, don't know. this is for Samuel. Indiana. This is uh, from Samuel. Uh, I'm guessing from Czechoslovakia. I could be way off, but anyway. Um, it's like a CC, isn't it? What's that? Oh, what's CH? Is CH like Switzerland uh, or some shit? Copenhagen. I haven't. Is that a country? I have no, no idea. <laughs> no, Copenhagen's not a country, buddy. 
<laughs> that American geography right there. <laughs> I don't know. Wherever you are, we're glad we're glad to have you. Yes, indeed. It, it would make us it would make us tingle to know that we have people listening halfway around the world. All right, Tingler. Um, um, he says he actually writes in to take me to task. Um, oh boy! About uh, he's 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 talking about that. Remember the show we did a couple of weeks ago uh, about and we talked about X-ray specs. You can try to. Jog my memory. Jog memory. What? <laughs> we talked about X-ray specs. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. someone had asked about uh, about X-ray specs and why they don't they don't get more publicity or whatever. And um, I said, well, he only had the one album. And he does. Um, Samuel does correctly say that X-ray specs did actually have an album uh, in 1995 um, that came out. Yeah, but and you know, he asked me why I didn't mention that. And. Yes, I did know about that, but I really don't class that as an X-Ray Specs album. I class that more of um, Polly uh, doing like a solo record. And yeah, it had Laura Logic playing saxophone. She was the original sax player. But still, musically and content-wise, it is more like a solo record. Um, and especially the way it sounds. It sounds it sounds like it came out right about in the middle of Britpop. So it sounds very much her voice. It doesn't even sound like Polly singing, to tell you the truth. So, so it's it's not a very punk rock album. Oh, it's not at all. No, it's 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 which is almost a little surprising, just because in that like era, you're talking about the mid '90s, because that was after Green Day and the Offspring and Rancid had broke. So there was actually a like a rush to sign a lot of the old punk bands. So a lot of the like '80s punk bands who hadn't done anything for a long time were starting to kind of try to be punk sounding again yeah well this like they went the other direction well yeah well it came if you got to remember though 95 94 95 it's right when Britpop was starting to hit so yeah you know, i never oh, got into this stuff at all so oasis I, really... blur all that well so okay, I, oasis, I, know. I mean i'm guessing that's so that's where the money was right and i'm not saying she did it for the money yeah. but i'm just saying sound wise you, you could have thought it was sleeper or the primitives or one of those other like female fronted bands from back but, then you know we, so. we talked about how, like, the crossover movement, how a lot of the bands that were punk in the early, mid-'80s, like, in the late-'80s, major labels were throwing huge money at these crossover thrash bands, so a lot of them adopted that style. Yeah. And it sounds like it's kind of, they went a different direction, but still kind of adapting to a style that was, you know, a little more popular at the time. Yeah. So the album was called Conscious Consumer, um, so they still, probably still kept a little bit of that consumerism kind of vibe on the album sure. but like i say the songs were just like pure pop songs but with a saxophone so um anyway so that's why i don't really class that as an x-ray specs album it's it's okay for what it is but it isn't germ-free adolescence that's for sure but anyway thanks for writing in sammy really appreciate it um Where, whatever country you're in yes exactly whatever wherever ch is the you, you enjoy it um i hope your government's not censoring our content too heavily <laughs> well, clearly not if he's listening to us. <laughs> you still have a little bit of your uh, coronavirus cough left, but it seems to be mostly gone, ain't you? Dude, uh, at work, it's terrible because I'll just be working or talking to somebody, and then all of a sudden, I'll have to cough and I almost choke. It's it's <laughs> it's most distressing. People are just like walking away from me. They're completely disgusted. But um, so that was letter number one. Letter number two is from Nick DeSati. Um I hope you don't mind. I said your last name, Nick. I hope that's not a problem. Nick D. Let's say that. No, there you say go. That. That fixes yeah. it. Nick D. There you go. Um, first off, let me say I'm loving the podcast. Thank you. I'm a longtime reader of Punk News, 15 years, and a devout listener of the Punk News podcast. And it's perfect. This is perfect supplemental listening. Supplemental listening for me. Um, <coughs> but he's happy to have us on his daily commute. So that's good. 
Um, he's talking. Well, about... I guess you know when we argue, when I say, "Man, we remember these episodes are too long. These episodes are too long." Maybe they're not. I mean, you could. Some of these suckers are long, and if you could listen to them over two or three days, go back and forth to work. Oh, he might have a really long commute, and you know. So yeah, that's I true. Can. Um, he says uh, in a recent episode, you discussed the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I, like you guys, I think it's garbage. But the conversation did remind me of a trip I took to the Ramones Museum in Berlin a few years back. Mm, I would love um, to do that. I traveled to Germany for work. I live in the Boston area and happened to travel up to Berlin one weekend. While touring the city, I came across a small flyer for the Berlin Ramones Museum. I had heard of it, but totally forgot it existed. That evening, I took a cab to check it out. The place doubled as a small cafe bar, and I was able to have a beer and tour the museum for five euros. I think that's about seven bucks. Um, I had the whole place nice. to myself to wander around the maze of walls covered in amazing Ramones historical pieces, used shoes, jackets, signed memorabilia, and everything else you could imagine. TVs were scattered about playing live shows, documentaries, and a small room had a showing of rock and roll high school. Apparently, the front of the place, the cafe, holds small intimate shows and had a really cool wall of signatures from bands who were visited over the years. It was an amazing place, and I highly recommend checking it out. If your Punk uh, Till I Die Hall of Fame ever comes true, take this as inspiration. Keep up the good work from Nick. So that was uh, cool. He was talking about our, our Punk Till I Die Hall of Fame. I don't think we – did we talk about that on the podcast or that was just a Facebook thing? No, we, we did. Yeah, and thanks for remembering, Tom. I'm glad, I'm glad this is so memorable to you. Did we? <laughs> Well, we only talked about the three bands, right? And then you we talked about we talked we talked about four. The, our original inductees were Sex Pistols, Clash, um, Ramones, Buzzcocks, and, the and Ramones, and then we added the Damned. So that's that's the five. Oh, see, I would put the, I'd have to put the Damned ahead of the Buzzcocks. Well, so we got those five. So we got those five in there. That's our inaugural okay. class, and uh, I think one of these weeks we'll add our second five. I think so. Yeah. Um, Before what it's worth, absolutely nothing. Yep. Exactly. And the last piece of email is from Marco V. He wrote in before, and uh, we kind of we kind of took over his his email because we started talking about the earphones <laughs> and that. stuff. Who earphones could've, who could've are gigs. Seen that yeah. Um, still enjoying the podcast despite the contents of my previous email being largely ignored and then hijacked <laughs> into the Tom wears earplugs story. <laughs> Gee, I didn't know wearing earplugs was akin to wearing a dress. Well, here we out. go. Holy cow. Understandable given his circumstances, but hardly punk till I die. <laughs> so take that, <laughs> Tom Trauma. Yeah, punk till I'm deaf. That's exactly what I am. Yeah. Listen, the name, of the, the, the name of the show wouldn't be nearly as catchy as if it was poser till I die. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like deaf dudes talking about punk rock. Yeah. Um, Yelling at each other about punk rock. But anyway, uh, my intention was not to instigate... Oh, I'm sorry. My attention was to instigate a chat about how gig sound has improved almost beyond recognition from the crappy PAs, dodgy feedback, high volumes, and wonderful ringing ears of yesteryear to the crisp sounds of today. Most bands sound like the record or how they want to. I wonder if today's audiences have any idea or appreciation of the advances. Now, he says that, and I don't know that that's see, you true. And I kind of, yeah, see, you and I kind of disagreed on this one yeah. because I'm with him. I remember that. But I don't. He might be talking about a different era than me. It might be just that I used to go to such bad production, like garage shows and small shows. You know, they almost always sound like crap. Neil, you played in bands when you were younger. Yes. I mean, how often did you have PA or uh, monitors? Not once. <laughs> no, it was always horrible. The sound was always horrible. You're always just like, can you hear the? If you could hear the singer, that was a good gig, right? Yeah, right. But I mean, that's also that's also part of what made it great. But 
I mean, I don't know if I don't know if that's true. I mean, I guess that completely depends on how the gig is mixed and we're on the venue, right? I mean, that's more. Well, t- the venues are venues are so much more legit now too. Like punk venues are legit compared to back in the old days where it was wherever you could branch, you know, wherever you could break in and <laughs> do a gig. Well, well, hold on a second. I will say those might be the gigs that we're going to. I'm sure there's still gigs and houses and shit like that where the sound oh, sounds yeah, like crap. Oh yeah, absolutely. Are. Yeah, and I I don't get to a ton of those. You know why? Because you get older and you go to those shows and people think you're a cop or something. Like, oh, look at this uh, old white dude showing up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get that. So anyway, and and may, I have a feeling that Mark might be old, as old as me, perhaps, or even older. So, um, I, I see. I don't. But you remember? You don't think those like early shows you went to? You thought the sound was pretty good. The equipment is so much better now. Um, what uh, is? We used uh, to get electrocuted. People used to literally die. <laughs> die from getting electrocuted from their microphones and stuff back in the day yeah that was before your time that was like 50 to 60 but i know that i know that bands still like having like the old orange amps and stuff like that right i mean they really cherish some of the old equipment more of a pa i think it's more of a pa thing than an amp thing i mean ever since you know jim marshall invented the marshall stack i i don't think guitar volume has been an issue it's it's always been like the pas and the vocals and i remember Hmm. even going to like a really great club in grand rapids in the early 90s called the reptile house greatest greatest club ever in grand rapids and uh you know the i remember one of the bands putting it into words that i never could said hey if you like the sound of my guitar you're in the right place if you want to hear the vocals you probably want to pick up a copy of the album no yeah this was the early 90s you know yeah but also one thing he says in the email most bands sound like the record i don't want the band live band to sound like the record I, i don't and i don't i don't necessarily agree with that because i think most studio recordings now are so polished it's virtually impossible to pull off live because they got 10 guitar tracks and 50 vocal tracks and all that. So I haven't noticed that a ton. Um, I think it's more true with the bigger commercial bands, you know, commercial punk bands, but the mm-hmm. just the ones that tour with a guitar and a bass and a drum, I, I don't think that's so much true. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to his email. But, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, we have to take it somewhere else, so he'll get pissed off and right back again. Actually, we, we appreciate you, Marco. We appreciate you listening, and uh, I think you bring up some good points. Well, he's not dead. He's not finished yet. Oh, <laughs> Listen, no, it's good. It's all, it's all good. Though, yeah, he did. Buddy. Listen to your respectful chat about the recent sad deaths of several several musicians. Polystyrene's death in 2011 knocked me for six. Unexpected uh, and way too young. I remember leaving work early. So, yeah, he is as old as me. I remember leaving work early, going home and fondly playing a lot of old punk songs whilst having a few too many beers. It felt surreal. X-Ray Specs were there when it mattered and have their place in punk rock history with several brilliant singles and B-sides. Hmm. Um, I've only ever taken the missus to one proper gig. It was Joe Strummer and the Mescalero show in Liverpool in November 2002. Very sadly, his last hmm. gig ever because he died shortly afterwards. Wow, that's you interesting. saw his last show ever. Yeah. That's pretty cool, Mark. My stan- mean, it's not cool that he died, but it's cool that he saw his last show ever. My standout memory is of the place erupting when they played White Man and Hammersmith Palais and an old skinhead climbed on stage and kissed Joe. Neil, can you vouch for your whereabouts that night? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, no, I did, I did not see I did not I see I've seen a lot of old pictures of Neil, and I don't remember ever seeing one where he had all his hair shaved off. Oh, you don't? Oh. Well, Do you oh, have – were you, were you a skinhead? I was, yeah. Okay. So that, that – that, okay. That, those, by the time I was a kid. Those pictures are going straight on the website then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then he finishes off to say he's enjoyed about 60% of the songs we've played, but much of the hardcore stuff he doesn't really enjoy. Um, he says the old punk bands had songs with real strength, melody, and character. Didn't need to shout it. Oh man, he does sound old. Jeez. 
They don't need to I shout don't at disagree. the. I don't, and I, you know, I saw that letter too, and I don't disagree with what he's saying, but I think there's a place for the other two. Yeah, but you have to listen to all different kinds of stuff. Well, there you go. Except he's... for the new, except for the new Green Day, you don't have to listen to that. He finishes off by maybe I'm just an old fart opinion, but I stand by it. Anyway, as always, keep your stylus clean and your LPs yeah. safe. Good man. Isn't that what old farts always do? Well, I've come this far. I'm not changing my opinion now. That's yep. both of us, pretty much. So yeah. So that's cool. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for writing in, and thanks, yeah, thanks Nick, Mark. and thanks Samuel from wherever in the world that you are. So uh, yeah. So that's uh, punctualidie77 at gmail dot com, and uh, you can be famous too, like Marco and Samuel from unknown country, to be determined <laughs> yeah. later. Uh, um, I, I don't really want to get into record collecting too much this week, but I do want to talk a little bit about that because I had two yeah. I had two successes this week. Yes. And, and I think you know what that is. Um, oh, I did... please, if I could get you to shut up about it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dude, but seriously, right? I mean, I mean, you, no, co- I, you I collect do, I, stuff I too, that, right? Listen, there's very few times in this life where you get that sense of satisfaction like i know you got this week so please share away okay so we'll start off um so 1979 generation x were one of my favorite bands they put out the single king rocker um and they put it out they did kind of like kissed did right mm-hmm. they um put it out they put out the single with four different picture sleeves each one featuring a different member of the band and each one was in a different color vinyl so mark laughed the drummer was yellow um, Durwood, the guitarist, was orange. Billy Idol. Uh, that was Billy Idol's first band for people that only know him through his solo career. His, his, uh, actually, they were his second band. Chelsea was his first. But anyway, the Billy Idol Billy was Billy Idol was in Chelsea? He was. He was the original guitarist in Chelsea. Oh, him and Tony James. Okay. Did him he and, record anything with them? Uh, no. Him and Tony oh. James, and they decided their songs were better than Gene October's songs, so they left and formed Generation X. Uh, and the rest I, is history. I, I mean, they weren't wrong. Right, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, Chelsea was cool, was cool, but... Yeah, they, they got some good stuff, but uh, Generation X is better. Um, yeah. So Billy Idol was red, and Tony James, a bass player, his was pink. And I got the first single in 1979 um, at Probe Records, and Pete Burns, famously the singer of Dead or Alive, the uh, Yeah, You Spin Me Around uh, famous band. Um yes. He used to work at Probe Records, and he sold it to me, and he was scary as fuck. I think I've said that before. And um, <laughs> so when I asked for the single off him, I expected him to make fun of me. He didn't, but he gave me that one. It was the yellow one with the drummer on it, and who the hell wants that? But I was too afraid to ask him for a so different one. So did you go one. back when somebody else was working and did get a different one? No, I left with my tail between my legs. But I was just happy that he hadn't yelled at me. So um, I had He was yell- the gatekeeper, huh? Seriously, man. God, he used to rip into people. He's so funny. Um, R.I.P. Now he's gone. He's 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 no longer around, right? Yeah, he died like two or three years ago. Sadly, but he yeah. was kind of like the original, you know. Before... Yeah, or before even Wayne County. No, maybe not Wayne County. Wayne County is older, but he was like a transvestite type guy, right? Yeah, well, right? well, actually, Wayne County was actually one of his big influences. That's funny you say. Yeah, that I say Wayne because... County would have been like started out in the mid seventies. So mid seventies, yeah, yeah. So he saw Wayne County at Eric's Club in Liverpool, and they became really good friends. Actually, so I mean, oh, really? in, in the early days, he wasn't a transsexual at all. He was just uh, he was just an oddball, right? He had like black contact lenses, and we're talking about seventy eight here. I mean, nobody had shit like that, and he dressed really outrageously back then, and. Um, so he was terrifying to a, like a 15 year old terrifying. Um, but anyway, I mean, he was like four years older than you, you know, but it was like, <laughs> probably right. Yeah. It seemed like the world, right? It yeah. Like the world. Of difference. Yep. Um, so anyway, I, I got that yellow one and then 
probably in the early 2000s i got i got the orange one with the guitarist at a, at a wow so there was that much gap between there the was two. there was like because you know, you know that was before discogs and so you just wouldn't see that single you know sure. um I saw the orange one at like a, uh, it was like a, it wasn't a flea market. It was like a secondhand store or something like that. Secondhand clothes and stuff. And they just had a couple of old records in there. And that one was one I of them. I love that. So I got I that. that. Then I got the Billy Idol about two or three years ago in a record store somewhere. And he, and he used records. It might have been at Reckless or something. And then I finally, I got the Tony James one uh, like two weeks ago on are, are these, uh, on Discogs. Were these super expensive? I never asked you. Uh, no, not not at all. I think I got oh, okay. the. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess I could have completed the collection a while ago, but it was never at the top of the list. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, anyway, I got the final one, and I put pictures up on the website, so I got all four colors, and they, yeah. So they you look should, if, if you're not if you're not following the Facebook page, if you're, on, I mean, I assume everybody's on Facebook now, but you really should give the Punk Till I Die podcast Facebook page a like. It's not, you know, it's nothing life shattering, but we're putting some additional content on there and it will always of course tell you when the new episodes go up which is cool but uh i think we're putting some kind of cool content on there and we're getting a lot of you know it's a good way if you want to interact with us so yeah until i die podcast on facebook go check it out agreed yeah um and the other look at the picture and you can look at neil's vinyl collection and yeah exactly whatever it makes you do maybe i'll start putting more stuff up there but uh the second collection i completed and i've talked about this before was i decided about six months Ah, ago the buzzcocks are my the my first love and i still love them um since the classic uh obviously the classic lineup split up in 79 but then you know they reformed in 89 and they've put out albums sporadically ever since now i have them all on cd but i made a decision about a year ago to try and collect all they've had six studio albums since then since they reformed in 89 and i made the decision i was going to try and collect them all on vinyl and i didn't know when i decided that how difficult that was going to be um i already had the first one and the last one the way that was pretty easy to get but the four in the middle boy they are talk about tough to get on vinyl um so over the last especially year, the 91 90s ones yeah I'm sure which vinyl yep was. Yeah, vinyl was vinyl wasn't dying, right? So everyone was buying CDs. So the vinyl room was probably really small. I mean, who knows? Maybe like a thousand or something, right? Um, yeah. So sporadically over the last year and a half, I think I bought one off eBay, and occasionally one would show up on Discogs of the other ones. So little by little, I've managed to get them all. And last week, um, the last one I needed came up on Discogs, so I got it, and it arrived on Friday. So I now have all six Buzzcocks albums on vinyl, the last six on vinyl. And they came from all over the world. They did. Um, all sets, I believe, came from Italy. Um, one of them I got was from Germany. I think one was from Ireland. So, I mean, huh. these are, I mean, and it's funny, actually, all set, they only seemed to, no one in the U.S. had it. It was like two guys in Japan and uh, mm. one guy in Italy and of course you yeah, know, but they pay. might have never there might have been no vinyl in the US it's possible yeah it's possible um, so you know yeah I paid obviously over the odds of what you'd have paid for it at the time and you're paying for shipping from from a long way away but I'm so happy and you know I got that I got that last one and now the set is together and I took a picture of that too so I'm uh, See, super I, psyched I, I think the I think this, the Gen X story is kind of cooler because it took 40 years yes agreed and and you kind of did had more chance involved. This this Buzzcocks thing, I think it's great, but it literally was a question of you being willing to part with the amount of dollars necessary to make this well, thing happen. Well, know? that well, I yeah, that is true. But this last one I wanted, 
that wasn't on Discogs for like six months. And it came up, you know, it hadn't been on. Mm. Like a lot of them, if you, if you tried to repeat what I just did, good luck with that because most of the albums are not on Discogs. I hate that when I see that and there's only one copy of something. I'm like, oh, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, and I'm going to wait. And then you go on there and it's gone. Right. It's like, ah, oh, and there's literally not one copy. Yeah, there's none of modern. There's none of, uh, there might still be the Japanese one of all sets if you want to buy 130 for that. Um, nice. And uh, there's none of the one I just got, which was that black and white cover one from 2003. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's only one of Flatpak Philosophy from 2006. So anyway, so it's it's not like you could just go to Discogs if money was no expense and pick them up because at least two of them aren't on Discogs at all. So hmm. anyway, those well, are done. I didn't, I, I didn't get anything nearly as earth shattering as you. I'm sorry. You, you want to fin- you want to finish that topic up? I was going to say I was going to tell you about a couple of cool things I got, but well, actually, you know what? I'm gonna. It's 20 minutes in. I'm gonna play a song. If that's yeah, cool, yeah, and then you can, and then you can talk about the stuff that you got. So, um, yep. in regards to that, I am gonna play. Um, talked about it, so now I'm gonna play Generation X, King Rocker. Um, it was a big hit, actually. It probably reached it. It was in the top twenty for sure in England for for a few weeks. And anyway, here you go, King Rocker by Generation X. Rockaroo straight out of Memphis Hope you enjoyed that. King Rocker by Generation X featuring Billy Idol. A um, couple of years before he was to go on to fame and fortune and move to New York and do White Wedding and then everything else that made him very famous. So there you go. So, residency, I'm, I'm, residency in Las Vegas. Yeah. 
So I'm sorry about that, Tom. I cut you off. You were about to talk about some things that you purchased recently. Oh no, I haven't got anything nearly as exciting as that. Nothing that took me 40 years or something. But I, there's a there's a band that I've been obsessively collecting all their seven inch singles, and I got the second last one by them, and that band is Break Anchor. So there's actually only one left. They're from Detroit. They were really productive for a couple of years, like 2012 to 2015 you know, or something. Is their whole pretty much run even though they're still kicking around. But anyway, so I got the second last one of those. And the and the other thing I want to mention, or well, two things. One, And then I got, uh, there's a local band called uh, North Lincoln, and I have a copy of their first 7-inch, and it's on gold with black streaks. It's one of those weird variants that I mm-hmm. think was between color changes. Some of those so look the fi- best. Some of those look really cool. There's like 15 of them made, so it's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. And then last but not least, I got to give a shout-out to uh, a listener named John from Wisconsin who sent me a 45 that, this band dead metaphors oh i think three or four years ago okay kind of like a punky hardcore midwestern thing real cool so that's that's what i'm listening to dead metaphors north lincoln and break anchor okay so nothing nothing earth shattering but cool stuff so the break anchor thing you said you've only got one you only got 145 to get now until you got them all okay yes (coughs) well when you get that Make sure you take a picture made of the one I'm looking for. Make sure you take a picture of it and and put it up yep. there. Yeah, um, that's they... what I'm gonna do. Well, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on like the band's Facebook page. But I mean that's it's like I don't know. It'll be cool, but I I, I hope I get that sense of satisfaction because I will have everything. You know, I'll have everything they ever put out. Well, is the band still going or did they break up? They are. They are still going. They took a break for a while, but they're still going. I don't know. They're, you know, guys in their 40s, a lot of them, and they work and play in multiple bands. And you know you know who the band – you're familiar with the Suicide Machines? Yes. Big – one of the big 90s ska bands. And they're releasing the a new album, that, I believe, because I know there was a new yes, track on, on Punk News, which I didn't finally, care for at all, but there you go. They're finally putting out the album on Fat Records. They've been basically flirting with that label, I think, for 15 years. What so Fat's f- putting out the new album, and uh, yeah, it's going to be big. Among punks of a certain age. <laughs> well, so... 35 to 45. So why did you bring that up? Was one of the guys in Break Anchor playing with them? Or something? For the Suicide Machines is one of the singers for Break Anchor. Okay. But it's a totally different style. They play like... Uh, they call it like... Uh, like the Bay Bay Area pop punk sound of like... You know, like Op Ivy era. Even though I don't know oh, if cool. that's a yeah, yeah. perfectly that's cool. good analogy. But they, they definitely play like... Pop, pop punk the right way even though i think it's a little maybe a little too aggressive sometimes to really be called pop punk mm-hmm. but anyway it's good stuff detroit colored vinyl anything like that or is it all black um all different colors oh okay cool that is white i can't remember but yeah mostly colored like so the last one i don't have is only a variant of uh, or only 300 main so the one and there's only so the one you need up. The, the, the yes. one you need, is it on Discogs for a crazy price, or is it not even up there? I don't want to say. <laughs> well played, sir. There well played. One copy of it <laughs> yes, well played. I like it. All it's right. actually, ironically, it's at a store. With, yeah, the new one I got is white. Uh, ironically, it's within driving distance. Oh, I think you've mentioned that to me before, so you're going to drive over there. and. Yeah, I think so. So, you know, my my son... Wait. And, I, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. He plays a couple sports, but he plays a couple of very wildly different sports. He wrestles and he plays tennis. But he's also got his learner's permit, and we really need to do some driving. So I think it would be a great, you know, excuse to have him do some driving to drive me to this record store an hour and 15 minutes away some Saturday when we're done 
with wrestling, which I think next Saturday is our last Saturday. So I would say that's the perfect excuse, but I would say if there's only one, don't wait. Jump on this well, one. Well, it's been sitting there a long time, too. Yeah. But here's the thing, you know, and I'm sure you've noticed this, and, and, and this is totally off topic, and it's not on our agenda, and nothing we talk about ever is hardly, right? But when I go record shopping at the record stores, at least around here, I almost always buy LPs. They're 7-inch. If not their selection, the presentation is so bad that because 90% of what I get off Discogs is 7-inch format, and yeah. 90% of what I buy at the record stores is LPs. Yeah, I could see I that. I could see that, yeah. Or not. But because like when we went to Reckless, they had a really, Reckless in Chicago, they had a really nice selection of 7-inch, and they were put out pretty well where you could go through them. Yeah. But like most of them, most of the record stores, they have their seven inches in the boxes like we do at our houses. Yes, and you have to ask and them to pull them out. And the neck to go through. Yeah. Sometimes they even have them like underneath the LPs or something. Like you have to get under like a freaking troll and pull them up and throw them on a table or something. So so I don't think the turnover of, of the seven inch vinyl at the record stores is nearly what the LPs is. Right, and people, and oftentimes they're not even order, you know, in in alphabetical order or anything. So who or the yeah, hell or, wants or, to yeah, spend they, an they hour? Never, they never stock them. Right. Like my local store, the guy who does the seven inches does a really good job, but people don't buy them. So yeah. there's very little turn. Now I've told you about Bucket of Blood Records before in Chicago. Yes. And that's one you'll have to hit the next time you come up. Yeah, um, I really want. To, uh, well, we'll make that plan off. Yeah, but what I was going to say was they. they but yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully you can take a half day off or something. I'll yeah, I mean, they have a really, really good selection of 45s. The problem is, they have them on, like, four different shelves. And you're not quite sure why yeah. these are on that shelf, and these are on that shelf. It's not like it's alphabetical, you know, going to A they're through G like on an, one. They're, just, they're treated like an afterthought right. at the record store. Right. And like I said, that's why on Discogs, I mean, I literally order, I mean, 90% of what I order on there is 45s. Right. Or 7-inch, or whatever you want to call them, singles, whatever. Not to confuse any anybody. The small, little chunks of vinyl. And then the funny thing about, again, about Bucket of Blood is behind the counter, they have this little metal box of 45s, and those are the really expensive ones. You can only look at them at gunpoint. Right, basically. Or if you're, if you're old like me, you can obviously afford them because, you know, they had, this, <laughs> they had the Sick Pleasure one. It's like 90 bucks. They had uh, some Avengers singles I, I in there. I see those. They have those on Discogs. I yeah. see that. They have some on Discogs. They do. I mean, they had some really nice stuff, but, yeah, they keep they have a button. They have a button on the counter when they see an old white sucker that they think <laughs> could afford walk in. They, uh, they push the button so that, uh, you know, like a bank manager comes out. Now, the cool Excuse thing about me. that place is, I told you, I think they own a bar around the corner. And if you go and drink at the bar first and bring in the receipt, they give you ten percent off your order or something like that. So we'll oh, have to. This is not a this is not a bad plan. So right. you know, obviously we've we've mentioned that I'm coming down there in April, and we're gonna go see Slop. Yeah, Sloppy Seconds. Yep. April the third. Uh yeah th- yeah early April. April third yeah. we're gonna we're, yeah. Neil and I are going to Reggie. Yeah. So and uh, so yeah, we might have to meet up down there and have a beer and go shopping and have dinner or lunch or something down there wherever neighborhood that is and. Yeah. Go do a little shopping. Yeah, for sure. No, it's a it's a it's a cool idea. It's a cool shop. Um, talking of talking yeah. of talking of buying stuff like that. Um, I had a question for you because you've been okay. you've been doing this reviewing thing for a long time now. What, like yeah, five, five or six years? Five and a half. Yeah. Five and a half years. Okay, so a, I'm supposed to be slowing down, but I sort of suck at it. Honestly, a, I suck at slowing down. I mean, oh yeah, you don't suck at doing reviews. You good at you good at reviews. Um, okay. how, a how did you get into it? And uh, well, talk about that first, and then and then I want to then I want I've got another question about about doing record reviews. 
Well, I, w- I was a loyal Punk News reader mm-hmm. before I started writing for them. And there was just sort of a call put out. They were looking for additional reviewers. And I remember they did it like in the spring or maybe it was like real early in the year. So that would have been 14, 2014. And I'm like, oh, I should do that. I should do that. And I never return an email. But then later in the year, like maybe early summer or maybe spring, they did this, put out the same call and I responded to it. And I said, hey, because I had I was a regular on there enough where like John had mentioned me on the podcast before and stuff. Um, because I was a big John Gentilly supporter and uh and he said, okay, here's what we got to do. And basically what they worry about is making sure that you can do it consistently. So, hey, you do X amount of reviews in X amount of weeks, and you can be part, come part of our staff, which basically means you get access to the free promo stuff and yeah, yeah. can kind of call what you want to review and whatnot. So I did it, and uh, it worked out well. And I, I think at the time it was sort of novel because there was one other older guy on there at the time who was a couple years older than me. But – people so it was kind of i think a lot of people appreciated the perspective that older perspective i well I, god knows i ain't gotten any younger since then right no but i i completely agree because I mean, most of the reviewers are much younger it seems like so having well, and, somebody and not, with that and they're not very productive i you know I, I it's it's a volunteer job so i understand that it's hard to find a level of devotion to it but it's like i guess it's my generation is hey i agreed to do this i'm going to do it you know what i mean i don't yeah. need and these younger kids, it's like, well, you know, I, I want to write reviews, but I, I haven't been able to write for six months because I've been in an extended depression because my cat died. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like a, a generational thing. And I granted, I was raised by, you know, workaholics and I, you know, had some workaholic tendencies when I was young. And I, I understand um, that that's not the best way either. But these kids, man, they're so some of them are, are just they just I mean, it's just not that hard. Right. Right, right. I mean, right. don't, don't, it just, or, or just say, you know, it's like there's no prestige in being a punk news writer. If you can't do it, just walk away. But they can't seem to let go, and they can't seem to produce. And so, anyway, I, I, I took to it. I liked it. Um, early ones were a little stiffer. Now I just kind of am at the point where I just have kind of a what the hell attitude. I just kind of do whatever I want, say whatever I want, um, which is refreshing because it's like, you know. But I never had an agenda. It's not like, hey, I want to write reviews for punk news and then maybe i'm going to try to get a staff gig right pitch yeah you know what i mean right. it was its own reward I'm, i was already 40 years old i just wanted to you know yeah wanted to add yeah have a, be involved i want you know what i wanted neil i wanted to have a reason to stay involved with the scene because i hadn't been playing in my own bands for a couple of years no that makes complete sense and i agree and i know what and i'll give punk news a lot of credit in that anybody can go on there and submit a review Yes. So it's not even, like you have to be a professional. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's how. That's basically what I what I did. I, I mean, I I'm not on the staff or anything, and but I do do occasional live reviews and occasional um, album reviews. So if you want to do it, man, you can just go to punknews.org and. How many? I wonder how many podcasts we had to make before you sort of get sucked in, where you sort of become official. like if yeah. if not a staffer, like an honorary staffer. Yeah. Well, I've, like I've you get invited, invited to the Christmas party. Well, I've done probably. I've done probably like 12 album reviews and about six live reviews so um to be uh, to be okay to be a reviewer in good standing and to be able to do a year-end list which is a big motivation for people oof. everybody likes to do the year-end list you know yeah okay you are supposed to do 25 reviews a year i could do i mean i could i could do that you, easy I, I don't know if i want to well that's here and here's the problem people people kids cannot they struggle well people might not like i re- qualified for the year-end list by march yeah well people might not like the reviews i do it doesn't sound like anybody really likes well, negative stuff. 
Now, now that they know you live in Skogie. Like, again, I, I don't care. Come find me. I, I care less <laughs> with that. Um, but, you know, because even, even an album I like, I'm going to find some things I don't like about it. I mean, the, sure. there's nothing outside of, like, some of the classics. There's no such thing as a perfect album. I'm sorry there isn't. No. So people well, give things five-star reviews just fucking baffles my mind. And I love I loved to bag on something like the new Green Day. This is the second time I've mentioned it in the last half hour, how bad the new Green Day album is. But ultimately, when it comes to being a reviewer, I, I, I want to be a guy, and this is this is something that I've kind of decided definitely over the last couple of years. I'm a guy who wants to spread the good news about, like, punk rock. I really don't want to be overly negative about it. So I don't want to really dog on a band that I think's heart's in the right place. And that's part of the reason I've slowed down a lot. And I, I only generally review things I like. So yeah, I'm writing positive reviews. I mean, occasionally if, if somebody irritates me, maybe I'll write something bad, but that's not why I'm doing this at this point. You know, that comment wasn't directed at you. That comment was directed at some of the other no, people no, no, who I'm were not, given. I didn't, I didn't, absolute, no, no, I didn't take it that way. Okay. I mean, giving all obvious, you know, average yeah. stuff, they're giving it four and a half or five star reviews, but well, it's definitely um, different strokes, Neil. Cause I've heard some of this, what I, what they call folk punk stuff. It literally sounds like if you just handed you a guitar and said, hey, just talk and strum on your guitar and make an album and and get exceptionally good reviews. And I'm like, this isn't even music. Say some woke stuff and you'll be fine. Right? It's like improv. It's like improv. It's, yeah. it's horrible. Yeah, agreed. And what are they talking about? How depressed they are. Yeah. Um, well, I tell you what. Um, why don't you play a song and then we'll come back because I have another question to ask you about the review process. Well, let's. OK, so last week we did a, we did our death show. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I hope it's the only one we have to do for 2020, but I really doubt it will be. Um, so we played uh, we played a DRI song. Man, I loved listening back to that. It was really metally the first half, wasn't it? Last yeah, it was. It was very metal. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure some people got irritated. That might have been what uh, Marco was complaining about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that got him but, super angry. But, <laughs> but the other, but that Josh Pape who died, who played for DRI, he also had a brief stint in Gangrene, but he didn't actually. <laughs> play on this uh, on the album that uh the classic album which is another wasted night he didn't play on that album but i love that album so much and i wanted to play a gang green song to honor him but he was really best he played with them on their live album he actually didn't do a studio album with him so let's play the the great gang green song that's been covered by everybody alcohol this is from another wasted night gang green alcohol
All right. Alcohol by Gangrene there. Um, I That's haven't heard. Song. I haven't heard Gang. I, I haven't heard Gangrene in probably thirty years. I mean, I was never a big fan, but they always used to be on compilations. Uh, so you know. Anyway, but you would you would love another Wasted Night. It's a great, great album. Yeah. Okay. All right. There were, yeah. I mean, it's like eight songs. You know, it's like a classic punk rocker, twenty minutes long. You and know? what we what eighty five, eighty six. 86. 86, yeah. See, there was so much stuff coming in 86 I wanted. You really yeah. had to be, if, especially if you didn't have a lot of money, right? You really had to. And I was working in restaurants back in 86, you know, so you had your, I think I was earning 350 an hour. So, hey, millennials, we were earning 350 an hour back then, so settle down with your nonsense. Um, so you only had so much money to buy albums at the end of the week, you know, so Gang Green never made it to the top of my list, I'm afraid. So... Well, I have the new repress, new repress on yellow, which I always struggle with buying stuff on Tang because I know enough artists that have put their stuff out on Tang and they never get paid. Okay. So it makes me feel a little guilty about it. I mean, we talked to BA a couple weeks ago about how the fact that, you know, they never have made any money from the record they made from Tang in 1993. Is Tang still going? Yeah, they don't put out a ton of stuff anymore, but they're still around. They do a lot of represses mm, okay. of their classic stuff that they haven't paid anybody for. All right. Um, don't sue us, Tang. If you want us to do commercials for you, we'll gladly do a live read on the air. Tang, nothing to do with the, uh, isn't there some kind of drink or something called Tang? Yeah, yeah, it's like that really bad orange juice. Yeah, this is Tang with like six A's and like nine N's or something like that, right? It's not the, yeah, it's yeah, two A's. Tang! Like that. Yeah, I don't know where they got that name. You know, it was originally... All those Boston bands, Boston. Um, all those Boston bands. There was a label called Excel, mm-hmm. and and I guess historically reading a little bit about it, it was just like this label that all the bands put out their own albums, but they just kind of said it was Excel. Um, and eventually Tang rose from the ashes of that stuff or something because Tang became the label that chronicled all those Boston bands, even if they weren't the ones who originally released all this stuff. And then um, Tang eventually moved to the, moved to the West Coast. Which now, which Boston bands are we talking about? Bands like Slapshot uh, and stuff, or was that later on? Yeah, Slapshot, absolutely. Slapshot, Gangrene, The Freeze, Fu's, uh, okay. Jerry's, right, right, right. Jerry's Kids. All, I mean, honestly, all of them that you associate with that SSD, you know, all those bands that you associate with that sound. Right. Okay. All right. And they they had a great scene, and I think Boston definitely, you know, not being New York or not being. DC, I think they had a great scene and they weren't, they were the non woke scene, which you and I would like, you know, more so than like the DC scene, which had a definitely had a right, a political agenda, which I didn't, I don't have a problem with their, their political agenda or anything they had there, but they were definitely, Boston had a great little scene. And I think the fact that there was a label there to chronicle it, you know, means that more people know about it than it would have otherwise. Because a lot of big cities had great scenes, but we don't have the, you know, records still in print from their era to remind us. So, yeah, I remember. Gangry, great band. Chris Doherty had a, a stroke a while back. I don't know how he's doing. I don't know if they are able to play at all. Chris Doherty's the main, the main guitar guy. player. Okay. I hope he's doing well. I, uh, I Last time I was supposed to go see him play in Indianapolis at Punk Rock Night at the Melody Inn, and he had a stroke. Oh, dear, dear. So, yeah. Yeah. It's too bad. So anyway, I hope he's doing well. So, you. so the other thing review-wise I wanted to talk to you about was, okay, so... I mean, I've I've started doing it a little bit, right, for punk news, and I also do it yep. for the for the show, I guess. Sometimes when we're yep. touring about an album or something. So, sure. How many times do you think that you've got to listen to an album before you can give it a fair review? A lot. 
was like five you mean 10 yeah at least um here's the problem i don't stream very well so if i only have a stream of something i do tend to cut corners and i only listen to it a few times but if i have a cd especially i hate to say it but cd is the best format for me to for review because i listen to it on the way home from work okay and i might leave in the car for a week or two so i can get a really good but i i don't think 10 or 12 times is unrealistic wow that's a lot that's a lot um but here's here's the thing you have to be careful too you listen to something enough it will grow on you so you have to trust your gut instinct a little bit and and if you listen to it the first two times you're like this is really not very good it's not very good right i mean things will grow on you and and i guess it's different if it's like one of your favorite bands where you throw it on and you're like man this isn't very good and and maybe you don't like the new social distortion album but you listen to it five times and it starts to grow on you i think that's okay but you know, there's no reason for me some new or unknown band that I don't know. If I put it on and I don't like it, I'm not gonna, yeah, you know, I, try to listen to it till, till I do like it. I Just mean, because for, you start to memorize the song doesn't mean it's good. For me, it's getting it's like five is probably the sweet spot. I figure if I've listened to it five times for review purposes, yeah, if I've listened to it five times and I still don't like it, or I still get even though you know what the worst ones are the ones where you don't it's not that you actively dislike it it's just that you listen to it and you can't remember a single song from it you know what i mean yeah. you get some of those it's just like you listen yeah. to it and you come home later like well, should, should i play that again it was no there was nothing outstanding about it at all the bummer is even some of my favorite things over the last few years that i really really liked when i look back at it now i can't remember the songs when i look at the titles even Right, and and it doesn't make just, you want to reach for them again, right? Part of it is it's just our age, you know. You know, we've talked about this. Like, most of my favorite records came out in the late '80s. Yeah, like my all-time favorites. But I was 15, 16 years old, and I poured through every word. Right, you live, and you I live only with had them. Yeah, thirty records or whatever. Yep. So I listened to them over and over again. So now I have thousands and thousands of things in my collection. I get something. I listen to it. So I have stuff stacked all over. I try to listen to it to what I feel like I have a good, if I'm not reviewing it, you know, you try to listen to something two or three times before you put it away. Yeah. Because once, it, get put, once it, gets, it gets put away, who knows what happens to it, right? Right. I mean, when will it come out again? Right. I well, mean, well, sometimes you'd be like, oh, I want to listen to my collection front to back, but you usually get to like B. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, you know what? Screw this. I want to. I mean, what I. Or what whatever, I... you know? I mean, something further down the alphabet. I mean, that's how you know it's a it's like a four star record or whatever. I mean, four four out of five is if you actually in six months time you do reach for it again. Like so many yeah. of them, you'll think it's okay at the time, and then you'll never play it again, right? Yeah. So. Well, but but that can work the other way too, where you'd be like, you look at the song titles, like, man, I don't remember these, but then you put it on, and within two minutes you're singing along again. Yeah, too. that's true. I mean, I I guess I get that, but but the, the, the song titles don't burn into your head like they once did. Yeah, especially if they don't make any sense. Um, but you know, I, I've talked about this. So I do, we do a top 20 every year and I buy a physical copy of every one. If it's in my top 20, it's worth buying. But yeah, some of them definitely get played more than others. I think that's admirable. Now, um, I, that actually ties into something else I wanted to talk about. Um, at Christmas, I think I told you, actually it was my birthday, but, um, I got the Henry Rollins book, Stay Fanatic. Yep. Yep. And I, it is not what I expected at all. I expected it cause it's, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> he's a huge collector and i figured this book was just going to be about his collection and it's not that at all it is almost like a day-by-day diary of things that he's doing in his life and the music he listened to that day 
kind of thing. Really? And then he huh. goes off on a tangent about that music and about that band or whatever or that, you know, what he's listening to. And uh, he goes into details about the release and this, that, and the other. So it's actually really interesting. And hmm. not only is it interesting, it's actually given me fresh respect for him as a person because <clears throat> he's, he's um I, I have met him and I thought he was a complete asshole when I met him. But um, this book, he's really self-deprecating and he's really self-aware. Um, it, that comes through in like the first hundred pages. He he talks about he knows what an asshole he is and he knows that music is a refuge. He doesn't like talking to people. He doesn't like people. He just likes music. And his love of music is it, it really comes through. Like he talks some of his favorite bands, like the Adverts and the UK Subs. Right? You never would have guessed that, but he gets super ex- as excited. When he gets an email from Nicky Garrett, the old guitarist from the UK subs, oh yeah, he gets as excited about getting an email from him as if as me and you would, you know what I mean? Mm. Like it's it's neat actually, it's it's really neat. But um, why was I talking about that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because he gets he has he does a radio show and he has a lot of stuff he has to listen to. So the way he approaches it, he approaches it like a job. He says his old favorites are like carbohydrates, and he only eats carbohydrates on the weekends. So he only goes back to his old records on the weekends. Mm. Uh, new releases, he views as proteins, and that's his job during the week, is to listen to new music. So I thought that was a really interesting way to, to think what, about Where it. is his show carried, I wonder? Is it an internet show? Is it, uh, is it on radio stations? What, what is it? It, 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 was, uh, it was a radio show. This is from like 2013, 2014. Mm. Um, and if you hold on a second, I'm sure I can find the call letters. But I just thought that was a really... <coughs> really interesting way to um to think about the music that you listen to you know Hmm. is is to view it in those terms and almost treat new stuff listening to new stuff like a job you know during the week and uh, it's funny because i've done that you know we we, you asked me about that how do you do it and part of the reason i wanted to cut back on my reviewing so much because i wanted to listen to my old favorites because i had no time for that i was always listening to something new you know well there you go you can be like henry and just listen to your old stuff on the weekends yeah, but but it sounds I like mean, it, I mean it literally sounds like from reading this book that's all he does. Like at night he'll go to like a um, like a Starbucks or something, you know, with headphones and his i and his iPod or his iPhone, and he'll just sit there and listen to music and like write for like three hours, and like close. What he doesn't have he doesn't have freaking internet at his house or what? I don't I don't know, but he talks about doing that all the time. He's going to Starbucks and planning out his next radio show and just listening to music. It, I hate it, talking to cr- people. I just want to listen to music, so I'm going to go sit at Starbucks, a highly recognizable personality. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's that's funny, right? That's true, but um yeah, it's anyway, I just thought it was interesting and uh, some of the, you know, like I say, some of the stuff he says about music, it's really exhilarating actually how much he loves and lives for listening to music and how much it changed his life. And stuff like that. Like he, huh. I mean, this is, it's, it's actually a little crazy. So, you know, he obviously grew up in D.C. and was friends with, best friends with Ian McKay. And um, when they were teenagers, they both worked at haagen and they used to, like, go and go to this record store and buy the imports, right? And then they'd come back to Ian's house and go and sit in the basement and listen to them. And mm-hmm. he said on one of his trips back to D.C., he went back to Ian's old house. Or something, and he knocked on the door, and the guy let him in, and he was able to go down and see the basement where him and Ian used to sit and listen to records. So, I mean, that's the kind of obsessive that he is, you know? Hmm. He's uh, it's like that completely changed his life, and that's what he still talks about. So, anyway, it's an interesting that's, book. I love that because I was afraid he'd be like, oh, what I mostly only listen to acid jazz now, and 
uh, you uh, know, be like totally disassociated right. from punk rock. No, man, he I mean he goes He goes on and on about like yeah, the adverts on the UK subs and the ruts especially. He loved the ruts. He bought that painting, he managed to track down the painting that's on the cover of the crack, the first album. Like there's a there's a painting. Um yep, yep. And he managed to hunt it down uh, from some collector somewhere, and I, I've got no idea how much he paid for it. But yeah, he now owns that painting, so he's a huge collector of like records—not just records, though flyers, all his vintage flyers. He's mm. he said he used to come back from tours and stuff, and he'd just have a he'd have boxes full of flyers and stuff because he always wanted two of everything. So anyway, man, it, what do you do with all that stuff at that at some point? Well, he says he thinks of himself as being like a, as being like a museum or something, and like an archivalist. Yeah, an archivalist. Yeah, that's how he views himself these days. So it's anyway. You know, we 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 blew over earlier when the guy talked about the Ramones Museum. I would absolutely love to go to that if I'm ever in Berlin. I will definitely go out of my way to do it because um, I see other bands when they tour through there kind of stop in. Yeah, me too. And, uh, no, it sounds great. It it does sound awesome. I mean, you're going to be a lot closer to it than I am, but I know it's no small hop, skip, skip and a jump from Liverpool to. Yeah, Berlin, well, so. well, here's the thing. I'm not going to make a special trip to Berlin just to see the Ramones Museum. So I don't think well, I'll ever, I'll ever be there. You, but Brexit's not going to hurt you any because you got a passport, right? I mean, oh, no. So, no, it's not. The U.S. and America not or gonna, U.S. and England. Not going to hurt me at all. And, you know, I'll, I was certainly pro-Brexit, so I'm sure that will upset some people. But, you know, so be it. <laughs> um, fine. I, oh, man. Stating a political view. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember when Europe, when Britain wasn't even in Europe. So that's fine. There you go. Yeah, things were fine then, too. So, um, Talking of England, I'm going to play another song. Um, and I'm going to go back to my Buzzcocks <laughs> new albums collection. I'm going to play something off their 2006 mm. album called Flatpack Philosophy. That was the name of the album. And this song is called... I actually have called... that one, believe it Huh? I actually have that one. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, I bought like a, one of those punch-out CDs for like $2. Yeah, well, I liked and the, it. And the nice thing about Flatpack Philosophy is not only is it was a return to the classic Buzzcock sound in a lot of yep. the and a lot of the records and a lot of the songs, I mean, um, it's also a return back to that classic design motif. Like it's really well, the album is really well put together, really well designed, very clever use of imagery and stuff. So it looks great and it sounds great. So um, I'm going to play Reconciliation, which is my favorite song on the record. So this is Reconciliation from the Buzzcocks from 2006.
Well, hope you enjoyed that. That was some classic, um, some, some classic Buzzcocks choruses in there and kind of a return to the classic Buzzcocks sound. Obviously, Pete's voice doesn't sound the same as it, as it did, but, you know, we're talking at that point 30 years on, so, you know, and a lot of more than 30 pounds on, so um, he's uh, still a great song. Still a great songwriter, still a great, uh, still a great song, and uh, he's badly missed, so there you go. Nothing to say, Tom? No, I, I, I agree 100%. <laughs> I'm trying to remember that song specifically, but I don't. But yeah. That's right. It's got some of the classic whoa, whoa choruses. Um, huh. as, soon, as soon as you hear it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, this one. It just sort of made me sad when you mentioned that because I'd only – I actually only had seen them one time. Yeah. And they, and they played in Detroit a couple of years ago, and I was not able to get over there. But they played – I saw them at Riot Fest outside during the day, half hour. Oh, that is so sad. That I they thought they get... were great. But, yeah, his voice definitely, you know, it, it kind of – it had that kind of croak to it, but it yeah, was yeah. still great. And the songs were great. And, you know, ultimately Buzzcocks were a punk band, but, you know, sometimes punk bands had guys in them like a Pete Shelley who you thought this guy could, could have written legitimate pop songs. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, he had the ear for it where he could have, you know, there's other guys like that. I think Joe King from the queers, same thing. He could have wrote, he could have, you know, not used the words that he used and written legitimate pop songs. He was a classical pop you know classic pop songwriter pop song structure right so hmm. no agreed agreed and uh i mean i saw them i didn't see them at riot fest uh that that go but i did see them pretty much every time they came from they came through chicago from that um from when when they reformed back in 89 um so i probably saw them i don't know eight times nine times or something mm-hmm. like that all total um from cool. small clubs like double door they played there a couple times to uh yeah to well, that my well my first ever show was them with the liverpool empire so well they're doing the three-piece band is doing yeah they're gonna do the pre-punk rock bowling thing they are the headliner and i i think that's thursday night but it might be friday night i'm not sure yeah and they have but a it's new a crazy big bill awesome bill honestly but they're at the top of it it really is it really is a good bill and i know they've got a they've got a new single coming out like this week i think which um, on Valentine's Day, yes. Yeah, I have to say right. that the sleeve is not uh, the sleeve is not selling me at all. There's none of that classic design on that sleeve. It looks so, like so, it's... so. You you say that, but you're gonna wait until they're all sold out and you can't get it, and then you'll have to go find it to go hunt that down. What? Well, you know what? I haven't done that yet. I haven't got it so that I'm started collecting all the like the post reformation singles because a lot okay. of them were CD singles only. So that's uh, not even many, something. I wonder how many of them there were. Was there a lot? No, there wasn't. There was probably like two from every one of those albums. So there's mm, probably... Oh, no, it still adds up. Yeah, so a there's probably like 12. I, I mean, I have a couple of them just because I've seen... Like there was one that was a record store day one from The Way. Um, mm. I have... So I do have a couple of those post-Reformation singles, but uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of money hunting down some of those some of those ones. Um, mm. Especially the Steve Diggle ones. No, no disrespect to Steve, but... Uh, of the two songwriters, Pete was definitely the, definitely the better songwriter for sure. Yeah. So uh, anyway, talking about singles, and this might be something that you don't want to do, and it might be something you a path you don't even want to go down. But I wanted to mention this because it's something that frosted my ass, and uh, you know, I, it, I, I, have, I, 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 for everybody listening at home, I have no idea where he's going here. So, well, okay. So, we've talked before, actually you've mentioned it today, how, how shitty the new Green Day stuff is. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, 
I was like, eh, maybe Tom's not right. Maybe I'll give this oh yeah single a listen. <laughs> so there I was. I I I tracked tr- over to YouTube, and I proceeded. You want to give your ears an enema now, don't you? Yeah, I proceeded to play it, and. Um, okay, it starts off and Billy Joe's wearing a Vibrators t-shirt. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. Okay, maybe it's not going to be so bad. And then it starts off and... I thought you he's wearing a vibrator. Well, he, that might have sounded better than... The, might have had one hidden. Yeah. The bad auto-tune on his voice and stuff like that. But I'm not going to do... I'm not going to do a review of the, of the Green Day single, heaven forbid. But it gets to the chorus. And I'm like, hold on a second. This chorus, oh, yeah, yeah. this chorus I've heard before. Yeah. And you know what they've done. Well, I think I've talked to you already about this, so you know what they've done, and maybe this doesn't bother you as much as it bothers me, but it fucking bothers me. All they've done, they've stolen the chorus from an old Gary Glitter song from like 1972 or 1973. Now, for those Ten of you years that... years before most Green Day fans were born. Yeah, 20 well, years before that's most maybe why they thought they could get away with it. So... You know, a lot of listeners here might not know who Gary Glitter is. Um, uh, you'll certainly know some of his songs. They always play like Rock and Roll Part Two at like uh, uh, basketball which venues, horrible, which is a horrible song, right? Um, so you'll recognize some of the songs. But anyway, he was a convicted child mol- uh, pedophile, whatever, whatever it is. I think yeah. he's in jail in he, like, Thailand. He like traveled to other countries to yeah. have sex with like Vietnamese boys. Yeah, uh, no girls. There you go. Was it girls? <laughs> yeah, it was girls. Yes, oh, yes. all right. He said, he, was, he said they were frightened of ghosts and he was protecting them. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so yes, not a great guy by any means. But... But I always have... Uh, 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 yeah, that's, uh, 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 that's the famous hey. one. Yep. So yeah, I always wonder if he's, getting, if he's getting money from that still. But um, every I mean, time it's played... I mean, cigarettes, with ro- cigarettes in prison with royalty money, right? Yeah. Um... <laughs> But anyway, so the cover, the the chorus of this new Green Day single, um, it is an exact replica of a Gary Glitter and the Glitter Band uh, song called "Do You Want to Touch Me?" Oh yeah, and the Green Day song is called "Oh Yeah." Um, and in fact, I'm going to play like 20 seconds of both. Maybe so, maybe they are paying it for it because I read another review by someone much younger, Neil, much younger than either of us. Yeah. And they mentioned that too, so maybe they actually is give they're giving him some songwriting credit for this. Well, I hope so because I'm going to look into that because I tell well, you, like what, I said, dude, cigarettes are currency in prison, so he could use the money. I'm going to play. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to play 20 seconds of that chorus from the Green Day song, and then I'm going to play the 20 seconds of the chorus from the Gary Glitter Gar- uh, song. Freaking Green Day is going to be the band that finally gets us a cease and desist letter. I can well, hear, I can read it already. It's like 15 seconds that they're not, right. not going to do anything about that. It's and anyway, use. anyway, what use. what are they going to do? Disagree with me? because <laughs> this is it's 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 complete plagiarism so here you go they i'm could, gonna i'm gonna play Green both Day has the power they could wipe us off the face of the earth if they wanted to well yeah anyway i'm gonna play i'm gonna play this right now so listen to this folks and see what you think tell me what you think but to me it's exactly the same song so here we go So there you go. The first one was Green Day with the new single "Oh Yeah," and I've got a new single in 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 air quotes. And then there was the Gary Glitter song "Do You Want to Touch," which 
you know, looking in hindsight, maybe do you want to touch me for Gary Glitter? Not the greatest, <laughs> not the greatest view. I mean, I don't want to listen to either of the songs if we're being honest. <laughs> well, I'll tell, I'll, dude, I'll tell you this. That Gary Glitter song is 10 times the song that that fucking Green Day song is. <laughs> like, I started listening to it, and it, I flashed back to being nine years old, watching Top of the Pops and fucking loving it. Um, they got the, they had the double drums. They had the double drums, just like Adam and the Ants ripped off later on, right? That was a, that was a young Neil wearing his platform shoes, and his... <laughs> <laughs> my mom wouldn't let me wear platform shoes. Um, I would have, I would have loved to have had platform shoes. Um, but no, I mean that that Gary Glitter song is a much better song than that, that Green Day abortion. That is just awful. But well, uh, the whole album anyway. sounds terrible to me. I mean, I I've only heard two or three of the songs, but they're so bad. It, it's yeah. like there's just pop songs, right? I mean, it's just it's just awful. Yeah. So they've they've completely any punk sensibility they had, they've completely lost. Apart from Billy Joe Brown and Vibrates and shows, I guess. Dude where they were like, "Oh, this is a return to their garage roots." I'm like, "Are you freaking kidding me? Those these spare garagey punk arrangements?" I'm like, "Oh my gosh, shoot wonder, me already." I wonder if they rip off a bunch of other early '70s bands on this album. Well, <laughs> I you remember that? Okay, so they had that that song, "I and I about to bleed." Didn't, didn't. Dun, 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 yeah, yeah. You know that song? Yeah, yeah. And I it did. was it was exactly the same notes as the old Chicago song. Dun, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Dun, 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 dun. yeah. I mean, so this is not anything new to them. I mean, they they it's it's always such a fine line between being an homage to classic rock or ripping off classic rock. Mm. But I mean, there's only so many notes. I get that, but but yeah, I don't know about the Gary Glitter thing. I haven't seen the liner notes. Maybe they actually cite him or or give him songwriting credit. I have no idea. Um, I mean, but you it, think that like the real woke punk crowd would not be cool with the Gary Glitter thing, especially if he is getting money from it, right? Um, I get. I mean, the rest of the band, I guess, need to live too. You know, there was a lot of other people in the band right, other than him, but um, not named Gary. yeah. I mean, it's just unfortunate, right? I like. I always felt bad for the for the other dudes. Like the oh, this is this is this is well, going to yeah, get but, this okay, is going to get so me. So that band from 1972, they weren't with him when he was doing his shows. In, of course. Japan in the mid '90s or something were they? No, of course not. Um, and 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 in fact, they They're split. They're like tired mailmen. They actually split from him and just did the glitter band. They were called. Oh really? Um, yeah. Later on, they had they had a couple of hits. And like I said, they, they they had like they had like a double drum kit. So they had that early like Burundi beat kind of drumming like way before like Adam and the Ants did. Um, so, so. I always, are you done with this topic, or you want to keep going? You... No, I was just about to say, and this will really upset the woke crowd. Um, just like the just like the guys in the glitter band must be upset by uh, what Gary Glitter turned into recently. Uh, later on, I mean, think of what. Okay, so when Screwdriver first formed, Screwdriver yeah. went on to become a very racist band. But when they yep, first yep. formed in Blackpool in seventy six, seventy seven, they were just a street punk band. And yep. so when Ian Stewart, the singer, left and formed a whole new racist yeah, band. Yeah, I was going to say, it was a totally different, totally different band, band than the original. So band. I always felt so bad for those guys from the original band. <laughs> it would just have been a shame to say, oh, yeah, I used to play bass in Screwdriver. And, you know, they were just being Im- immediately you know, thrown out or beat up or well, something. It's, it's funny because I already had a song picked out to play next, and now I want to play uh, <laughs> Nazi Shouldn't Drive by MDC, the great, the great I thought, MDC. I thought you were going to play a Screwdriver song. No, no. I was gonna play, there's a, you know, Dave Dicker, of course, is a very uh, outspoken kind of liberal punk rock guy. from uh, Dave Dicker from MDC, Millions of Dead Cops. Great, great 80s punk and hardcore band. But yeah, he had a song called Nazi Shouldn't Drive or Nazis Can't Drive or something like that. Oh, uh, because Ian Stewart died in a... Yeah, because he died in a car accident. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um... So, yeah. You know, well, no, what I was going to say, you know, so it's been so slow for shows around here. 
just because of the season. And there's been some good local shows. I, I mean, I, if I'm being honest, there's been some really good local shows. But there hasn't been, like, a big-name punk band coming through. And there's not until literally not anything coming to Grand Rapids, at least that I know of, until April as far as bigger names. Yeah. So one of the bands that I saw was playing at our local here, a local uh, pretty good-sized club, holds over a 1,000, was The Wailers. What? The, so, the reggae band? So like the glitter band... The Whalers yes. are the remnants of Bob Marley and the Whalers. Right. Because he was a founder of that band. And it's just a couple of the original Whalers. And, you know, they have a new singer, young guy with dreadlocks. And they have a bunch of second and third generation Whalers playing with them. You know, they're as authentic <laughs> as they could probably be at this point. But, I mean, do, Who would do I go see that? Uh, I don't. Well, you don't even like reggae, so why would you? Not, not too much. No, but what I do like is Bob Marley. Oh, for God's sakes, man! <laughs> well, I haven't got deep into it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's it's ignorance, willful ignorance. You're right. I mean, I'm I'm really no, I'm not a reggae fan, but I actually consider going just out of sheer boredom. They were doing like a ticket blowout for like fifteen bucks. Well, is the is does the wife like it? Does Mrs. Trauma like it? Like reggae? I didn't even think about that. Because that might be a nice, if, if she does. That, that, yeah, more that, of an early weekend thing with my pal. I'll go out and throw a few down. Yeah. Well, you could do that, too. You could do that, too. And... It's my pal, Scott, who you met. He's, he does like reggae quite a bit. So now, if I what, brought it up to him, I'm sure he'd be down with it. Now, what would be hysterical is if you're going expecting the old Bob Marley classics, and instead they do just a whole thing. They've got a new album coming out. It's all. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they just play Heavy it. dub. I'm pretty sure at least half their set is the Bob Marley classics because they're not filling up rooms with... You know, they probably even do that like cops song. You know, well, the bad boys. Well, if they if they if they're blowing out the sing uh, the the tickets for fifteen bucks, I don't think they're filling any rooms. Yeah, you know, <laughs> listen. No, I mean, sure, I, go I, for I, it, mate. Go, go for watch it. Some thirty year old thirty year old guy with dreadlocks sing "No Woman, No Cry." It could be good, right? Yeah, it could be could, good. That could be fine. Maybe they'll have you on no, stage. I'm pretty unmotivated too. When it when is that? When is that? Oh, a couple Thursdays. Oh, it's a, a Thursday. Yeah, oh, you can take the Friday yeah. off because you'll. I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind going on a Thursday. I can drag my way through Friday. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. We used to go out every Thursday, but you know we've gotten sort of lame. So. Yeah, Thursday's a good night for drinking. Actually, Thursday is a good. It night. It really is. Yeah. I mean, if you don't drink on Thursday night, next thing you know, you won't be drinking on Sunday night. And then before you know it, your weekend's pretty short. <laughs> well, that's true. I'm drink. Are you Are you drinking right now? I'm. I'm. No, I'm not. I'm drinking Guinness. I'm having a good time. The fun. The woman at the. At, I bought the Guinness today. I bought an eight pack, and the woman. Didn't know how to pronounce it. She called it Junis. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like the. Was she just a kid or what? No, she was like she she was like an older lady. I was like, it's it's Guinness. You've heard of Guinness before, haven't you? She goes, no. Oh bloody hell! Really? Oh yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I had a friend yesterday texted me a picture of the Metallica beer Enter Night. Oh. Okay. So I've reviewed I have reviewed one beer exactly for Punk News so far, and it was the Motorhead American Pale Ale, mm-hmm. and it was just not that great. Oh, I don't think that Lemmy but, was drinking Pale Ale, was he? But the bottles were so cool. I mean, yeah. I, I still have the six-pack sitting on the shelf in my garage. I don't know what to do with it, but it's because they look so cool. I really want to do something with the bottles. But, yeah, Metallica put out a lager. Uh, I think it was a lager. I'm not even positive. Uh, a couple years ago, but they just – there's a couple places in Grand Rapids that are carrying it now. So I think I'm going to go over and buy some. And so then I can just sit on my chair and drink beer under the guise of, you know, yes. art. Yeah, yeah, you're doing a review for sure. And you have to drink it all at once because you have to kind of get the cumulative effect of what it does too. Yeah. Um, so 
Well, I, I, I'll tell you which is a good one. Is the Iron Maiden beer Trooper? Yep, yep. That one's really, I really good. We were hanging out uh, a couple months ago. A few months yeah. ago. Excellent, excellent beer. That one. But I can't get. That. I don't see that here either. Huh? That's interesting. But it's a, it, it's all over the place. You can get it a lot and get it drafted a few places actually in mm-hmm. Chicago. That's the, the, the famous Yuppie Burger Joint. They have it on in the cans. <sighs> the Yuppie Burger Joint. Yeah. Well, the fake dive. Burger what Kumas? Yeah. I mean, I like Kumas. I'm not. I'm not ragging on it. I. I totally would love to wolf down with their burgers right now but it's definitely a you know we've talked about that kind of like we're going to build a new bar and it's going to be a dive that's yeah. not really how it works right right yeah for sure um well the place bucket of blood records and that bar that is associated with it that's actually right yep. across the street from the original kumas so we can uh we can go down there okay. and then you can have one of your burgers if you would like one if we want to stand in line well, like for like said, an hour might, that day i come down that day i come down you might have to uh take off at noon Oh, that's not a problem. That's not a problem. We'll go have lunch. <laughs> By the time we get to Reggie's, we'll be in fine form. Hey, and any of our listeners are in Chicago. You're all invited to come and join us if you yes. want to, right? A we'll rare, be... a rare dual appearance by the two of us. So we'll be, we'll be happy to drink with you. So yeah, yeah, especially if you're buying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know it. <laughs> and you can buy me a single or two while you're at it. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for all that free entertainment, guys. Have a beer. You know, yeah, this is what makes go. it all worth. That's yeah. what makes it all worthwhile. Maybe Bobby and some of the woke guys will come and they'll do a little protest outside or something. Yes. <laughs> some down with tramp stamps. I mean, whatever they call yeah. them these days. That's what they'll say. Yeah. Yeah, listen. What can you speaking do? Of, speaking of fighting, where are we at, Neil? What, 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 what kind of time frame are we at here? Uh, we're getting close to wrapping up, I think. We're at an hour 10, something like that. Ah, plus so our with, song. So with music, we'll be... Yeah. I'll tell you what. Night, huh? You want to play another song, my friend? I do. Play the last one? And I... And the reason I've had this on my mind is because both of us missed. So the addicts just did a pretty. I think they might even still be going. I think they are. Yeah, pretty thorough like U.S. tour, and neither of us were able to go. Um, and I know this song is might be kind of cliche because I think this is probably their biggest song, but I'm not sure. But I do love this song, and I've had it ever in my head ever since I missed their missed their live show. But let's do an addict song. Let's do uh, "Viva la Revolution." Viva la Revolution. Yes. I believe that's from their first album, right? Songs of Praise? It's one of the very early ones, yeah. It's either first, first or second, for sure. First, it was a single, too. Yeah, it was a single as well. So, yes. Yeah. So let's play, uh, yeah, Addicts, Viva la Revolution. Here we go.
mind from the rich man's cast This evolution won't be the last for you there addicts the guy dresses up like uh what what does he dress up as tom clockwork orange clockwork orange yes in a like droog. a droog in the clown makeup the rest of the band dress up as droogs and he's got like clown makeup on and his name is monkey his go figure is, his name is monkey and he kind of yep. moves like a spider monkey yeah yeah so there you go i missed him at house of blues I'm, I'm, and i'm like trying to or like trying to wrap the, oh yep first album songs of praise there you go 1981 81 Good of, second wave UK band. A lot of great albums came out in eighty one, man. So many great albums yeah. came out in eighty one. I was eight years old. I was uh, older than that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. I was right in your wheelhouse. It was. So, so. next week. Do it again. Next, oh, next week, yes. Next week, I think we have a guest coming on. Yes. Um, if somebody if, you might not necessarily know by name, but you, a lot of you will know. Yeah, if um, if everything goes according to plan and the stars align, next week we are going to be talking to Rick Sims from the um, 80s and 90s um, Illinois band, The Digits. Um, Digits, probably their biggest claim to fame was they had a song that was covered by The Offspring on that huge Offspring album, Smash. Yes. Um, so a lot of you would will probably know that song, at the very least, Killboy Powerhead. Um and so, yeah, The Offspring didn't write that. Rick Sims of The Digits did. And The Digits were a great, great Illinois band. Um, so anyway, we're going to have, we're going to be fortunate enough to have him on next week. So um, we'll talk if about... If that falls through, we'll have somebody like Greg Simpson, somebody way less impressive. So hopefully that <laughs> doesn't fall through. Oh, my cat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna spend the next week listening to their albums, just really carefully going through with a fine-tooth comb so I can ask him just the most obscure questions about you know little tiny parts within a song that he probably forgot about 15 years ago i think that'll i think that'll be good i think he would enjoy that actually and uh <laughs> yeah and also i'm gonna ask well i mean i've known i knew him way back in the day um so we'll talk about how weird it was back in the mid 80s in central illinois what an interesting scene that was back then so um, anyway that that should be that should be next week so that should be a good one that should be a really interesting one i think so um we uh, be sure to check that one out but uh I think uh, are we done for today, Tom? Are we are we wrapping up? We probably should call it a day. Okay. All right, everybody. Well, uh, hope you enjoyed this episode number sixteen. 
and uh, we will see you next week. We'll see you Take on care. the Almost Legal number 17 next week. Uh, he keeps saying that. I don't know why. He's going back to the Gary Glitter theme, I think. Thank I think that would be too old. That would be too old for Gary, though, I think. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Stay free. Bye. See ya. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to say um, thank you for getting to the end of the podcast, but this is a postscript I had to add on. Um, Tom, do you know why I have to add this on? Yes, because you're so wrong about so many things so often that you feel like you need to make a public apology. <laughs> actually, no. Which but... I encourage you not to do, but that's all right. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, it's okay. I, I am actually wrong about one thing. Um, so I had that rant about the one new green. Thing. I mean, really, can't we, we? We can easily forgive you for that one thing. You know? <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't want to get sued. So uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> the one uh, band that actually has enough money to sue you. Yeah. So the rant I did about Green Day earlier on about them ripping off the chorus from the Gary Glitter song and that. So I did um, a little bit of research on that one, and and here's what they say. Which is um, not really our style. We're really more into just jumping into jumping into battle formation. Research is a little overrated. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so here's what they say. So, in the YouTube description for Oh Yeah, Green Day noted that their track samples Joan Jett's cover of Do You Want to Touch Me, Oh Yeah, from her debut album Bad Reputation. The song was originally written by Gary Glitter, the arena rocker and convicted sex offender. So Green Day has promised to donate or to... Ah, Green Day has promised to donate all royalties from Oh Yeah to the International Justice Mission and the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. So, um, A, Green Day has said that obviously that, that song, the chorus of that song was taken from, from somewhere else. And, uh, and B, you know, they're doing something really cool by donating all the, um, all the money they make from the, from the sales of that song to this, uh, to this International Justice Mission. Um, so that's really cool. So... I wanted to say that that I was I was wrong saying that uh, you know they they'd stolen it blah de, blah de, blah. However, well, they, still, they still stole it. They just however yeah, they just admitted it. So the fact that they've released I a like single, how they say it's like they cite the Joan Jett song too because that like takes a la- like adds an extra layer well, to like keep them away from the creepiness that is Gary Glitter. Well, so uh, I don't know. Are they saying that then? So because they have to pay for that, right? So are they saying You'd that then? That then Joan Jett's getting the the royalties. They're not paying Joan Jett. Joan Jett doesn't own the song. Well, well, but it's um, like listen, it's like it's like when Bad Religion did the Christmas album. You know, this is a band that has the big crossbuster and is supposed right. to be totally anti-religious, but they did a whole album of well, eight songs or whatever of of like religious Christmas standards. But then they gave the money to like, you know, an anti-priest rape fund. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, so. Well, I'm so, assur- but anyway, so we're we're deeply sorry. Also, we're going to be recording a screwdriver cover and giving all our money to anti-fascist <laughs> organizations. But yeah, yeah. So, so I'm 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 sorry that I jumped the gun on that. But I'm not sorry for saying how lame I think it is that, that <laughs> a band bad, that a band records a single and they rip off the 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 chorus of said single. They just rip it off wholeheartedly from another song. I think that and, is. And inc- then they they talk about it like it's a cover of a cover, which is always great. Yeah, incredibly lazy and in, <laughs> in, in, incredible. Yeah, I mean, you know what? If you want to just if you want to just do another cover of the song, just do a cover of the song, right? Don't rip off part of it. So, exactly. um, well, you know, if they weren't going to sue us before, well, hey, well, hey I'm saying I'm saying that's very that's very nice of them to be donating <laughs> yeah. all this money. I hear and, people uh, talking about this Green Day album and sort of bending over backwards to say, oh, you know, I listened to it seventy times and it's really starting to grow on me. I'm like, okay, yeah. 
I mean, just because something starts to become familiar to you doesn't mean it's good. No, that's actually a ver- that's actually a very good point. I Tom. can sing along it to is. "Sweet Home Alabama" too, but that doesn't mean it's good. Oh, that's it. That's exactly so, that's, uh, yeah, that's very true. Yes, we talked about this yesterday actually about the danger of listening to something too many times. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. I don't know if we have made that better or not, but we gave people you know another five minutes of content. Yeah, so, so 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 to so to sum up, yes, they've said they got it from Joan Jett and, and Gary Glitter, so they've 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 come clean about that. And yes, they're donating all the money to this nice to this Nows Foundation, but I still think it's an incredibly lame song, and I think it's lame to steal you know, the chorus from another song. So there you go. You know, one of the one of the many problems with our world today is I always I always say we're living in like the era of the fake apology, like where somebody <laughs> will speak their mind. But then they'll get jumped on about it online, and then they'll make a fake apology. So anyway, well, well, no, I mean, no, I, I mean, I, I was wrong when I said that that yeah, they that yeah. they'd stolen this and they and they hadn't yeah. they hadn't uh, they hadn't said where it they, really they came didn't from. Steal it? They paid for it. I, well, they paid somebody. I don't know who the hell they paid, but they paid somebody. They still have to pay the original author, right? I mean, it's uh, somebody copy. Somebody has that song copyrighted, whether it's a record label or, or old Gary Glitter himself. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I assume he lost probably the rights to that music a long time ago. So they do owe somebody. You're right about that. And maybe Joan Jett bought when she covered it. Maybe she bought all the rights to it. Nah. Who knows? No, no way. I don't know. Anyway. Who knows? But even if that even if that was the case, week. even if that was the case, stealing a chorus from another song is incredibly lame. Next week, we'll apologize to Joan Jett. Uh yeah jo- yeah we can talk about Joan Jet that's cool. Yeah. So, All right anyway, well this I guess we'll sign off again. This half apology is done so uh half but yeah last apology from Neil. <laughs> there, there you go. Well <laughs> thanks for jumping on and thanks for listening through to the end or uh, loyal listeners thank you very much I appreciate that. So thanks, guys. See you next yeah. week. Guys bye. And bye. Yeah. bye bye bye. Bye.